This podcast is for entertainment purposes only. If you feel you or someone you know is struggling with mental health, please seek professional help. If you feel you or someone you know is in danger, please call a local emergency number or the National Suicide Prevention Line at 1-800-273-8255. That being said, let's start the show. everybody, and welcome to the Brain Drain Zone, a podcast where a mental health counselor and a dorky writer sit down to discuss the psychology and nerddom that is so close to our hearts. Join us as we discuss the psychology of life, comics, music, and anything else we can think of. My name is Chris Courtney. And I'm Heather Veely. And this will be an interesting one yeah, this, this week. We're going to doing month. something a little different. We're actually going to be discussing a specific work rather than a general idea. Right. Ow. <laughs> you okay? Yeah. It, yeah, I'm fine. Chris got a hair tie today, so he's still getting used to it. <sighs> yeah. It's... Yeah. That, that's fair. Um, speaking one of, of, one w- of the main problems of having style... Um, so, Ather, um, speaking of what we did today, other than getting me a hair tie, what did we do today? We kind of just went back to basics with our usual hangout day. Yep. Went to Bell Book, where we got a mystery comic that may or may not be our October slash Halloween episode. Oh, yeah, that, uh, this, this uh, Halloween episode is going to be off the wall bonkers. I, I just know it. We might actually go a little bit longer than normal. Are you talking about today, or are you talking about on, in October? In October. Ooh. I mean, why not? Ab- absolutely. Absolutely. I mean... Um, but anyways, we did that. We went to our favorite establishment, the Barrel House. Absolutely. Had some pho. Eh, well, not pho, but it's a place that serves pho. And yeah. And uh, half price, where we got some... Uh, goodies no comics today actually us outside of our mystery comic well i i did find sea of red which is looks like it's volume one of us what looks like to be zombie pirates so that sounds fun but you uh the yeah you're right other than the mystery comic that we will discuss next time um yeah it was a comic free day a rare one yeah, mostly it, it was just kind of a grab bag of books. We saw at half price and we're like, ooh, shiny. Yes. Um, the three I got, one is called Magic and Magicians, and it's kind of just looks like it's going to be discussing like a very short history of magicians throughout the years. Though this book was published, what, in... This looks like a very old book. <laughs> It, it was a former library book, and the last time it was checked out was in... Oh, wow. Wow, it's, there's an actual library card in that there thing? There is that's an insane. actual library card. Wow, yeah. Yeah, that's that's in 1969 was the last time this was checked out. Holy God. So, yeah, this book is that old. <laughs> but I got a book that's even older than that. Well, maybe you can find some magician's tricks like what we talked about last time and and you'll be able to figure out how to get out of a straitjacket even though those are no... i be the next Houdini! <laughs> <laughs> and another book that is even older that I'm a little surprised I was able to find called The Princess by Tennyson. And it's a... It looks like a very... It looks like a long... A poem, like an epic poem. And what drew me to this one was that it... The first paragraph or of the introduction to this, well, not the introduction, but just, like, introducing the piece itself, mm-hmm. kind of established it as, like, at the time of its first publication, the movement in favor of women's rights was in great danger. So this was, this was like, in peak first wave feminism, right. we're thinking here. So I'm like, this has got to be interesting. Uh-huh. And then the last one... 
The title is Help, I Am Being Held Prisoner. And on the cover, it is a dude in like a prison stripes and a lady in a men's shirt and she's handing, she Yeah, but she's handing him a gun too. I don't know. It, it looked Pulp Fiction-y. It looks kind of... <laughs> it, it looks... It, it looks kind of hilarious. It looks like a hilarious ride. So I'm like, okay, I gotta pick this up. Okay. To balance out the potential class that I've got going on here. Okay. The pot- the potential class? Well, I don't know how classy the princess is going to be. And I have no idea what the magic and magicians one is going to be. They both sound like they're going to be intelligentsia. Well, so I need some Pulp Fiction to balance that out. Fair enough, I suppose. I feel like the... The magician one is going to be more informative, and then the the first wave feminist okay. poetry is because you said it was like eighteen something or other, right? Um, let's see. Introduction. This dude was born in eighteen oh nine. Okay, so it's probably like eighteen fifties, something like that. Yeah. This is, yeah. This book even smells old. Like, get a whiff of those pages. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. So I smell that this is about, like, published me... The book itself published in maybe 1920. Oh, okay. Or maybe, like, early 1900s. The book itself... So either way, it's probably going to be fairly cringy. We'll see about that. A man writing about a female character in the time during, like, first wave feminism. What can go wrong? Absolutely. <laughs> what about you, Chris? Um, I found books uh, I don't have on me, but um, one book was both psychology books. One was the one, at least the one I'm most interested in, is a book on dissociative episodes and theories and how to deal with them with that kind of thing in psychotherapy. So, and I have a particular interest and always have to some degree in dissociative episodes, so that's that's going to be fun. I guess we should get to it. I guess so. Um so today today we are going to be covering the Spider-Man comic Craven's Last Hunt. Yep, we're... Which is considered one of the darkest Spider-Man books out there. Yep, and we're, we're switching to Marvel this week, but... But, well, we're kind of all over the place with this, so... Yeah, we are. We're not sticking to our original game plan. Sorry! That's alright. I mean, well... Yeah, we, instead of... I think instead of from now on, instead of, like, trying to stick to original... To third-party comics, we'll cover as much as we can, but we'll cover everybody equally. Right. Though, to be fair, Craven's Last Hunt, Marvel seems to be in this weird dilemma where they recognize that even though it's one of the darkest stories in Spider-Man's history, it's also one of the most celebrated because it is a well-written story. Oh, absolutely. But it also deals with some very dark topics, and very raw like it, it's not like dark like eh, like somewhat, like somewhat edgelord dark. dark yeah it's not edgelord dark like the ultimates or whatever mark millar was putting out <laughs> in the mid 2000s but it's like like deep raw you're probably going to be in like, the fetal is... position in the bathroom dark yeah this is this well i wouldn't get well maybe it depends Why you on who you're what reading you were expecting versus what you got chris because you had a you had a, a wtf li- reaction to it yeah i had i was expecting carnage type dark where it's like um he yeah he does some fucked up stuff and but overall it's a pretty standard uh spider-man comic but I was oh so wrong because, yeah, this gets dark into, like, themes of, like, PTSD and just mental illness in general. With a surprising ending that we will get to. Yes. I, Do we want to spoil the ending for our, for well, our listeners? Not right now. Right, I mean, yeah, I mean, not right now, but I mean, talking about, like, in general. Well, considering that this book kind of swings between publications, because it's actually a little difficult to find this book. Uh, then, unless well, you find it in the trade paperback box. 
Yeah, this bastard found it in the five dollar bin. <laughs> well, I paid forty dollars for my copy on Amazon. <laughs> <laughs> and yes, I'm salty about that. <laughs> well, to be fair, you found it like I didn't find it. You found it in the trade paperback. Yeah, I was the one that spotted it, and I read it first, and I knew that this is something we had to cover on this podcast, so I basically just shoved it in his face like, you're going to read this! <laughs> and I mean, it's, it, it is a classic. I would say, I would consider it a classic because of how well it's written. Mm-hmm. I, I, would total, I would totally agree, and would it be, I think it would be fair... I, I will say I'm not, like, the hugest Spider-Man fan, so I don't know how accurate the statement is. Would it be fair... Do you think it would be fair to say that Kraven is maybe one of Spider-Man's lesser-known villains? I mean... Or am I totally sense, wrong on that? He, saying that Kraven is one of the lesser-known villains in the... Like, lesser-known in the Spider-Man rogues gallery is kind of like saying... Mm, thinking of a good equivalent. Like, the Mad Hatter is a lesser-known villain. Okay, so it's like he's so still pretty prevalent, but, like, like if, if you're... Like, if you know anything about the series beyond, like, you just picked up the, your first thing, you probably know him. Yeah, so it's like, if you have a... If you, if you are aware of it, then you know him, but if you're just not familiar at all with the Spyro Mythos, you're probably not going to know him. Right, I mean, everybody, I will say... And he's also campy and a little goofy in his <laughs> previous iterations, and it's only like... This is where he gets dark. Yeah. Okay. And this one actually has a very interesting publication history, because I first found out about this comic from the Matt Drapier channel, shout out to him. He... Covered it, like, oof, a year ago, I want to say. Mm-hmm. And he explained that Demetrius, the guy who wrote that, he first pitched it for a different comic series because he had the idea of a villain killing the hero mm-hmm. and then taking his place. Quote, unquote. Quote, unquote. Like, uh, I forget the first one, but then he went to uh, DC and he suggested it for a Batman and Joker series, but that was around the time that the Killing Joke was coming out. So right. He so that shit out of luck. Yeah, because Killing to, Joke was like it was in like it was about to be released okay, by the time yeah. he yeah, was. Yeah, they, they had their hands full at that point. Because yeah, the, we could talk about the Killing Joke another day because that's that, another can of worms. Yeah, let's 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 yeah let's not one, go into that one. One controversial comic at a time. Exactly. Then he proposed it for to be a Batman and Hugo Strange comic, but that was shot down. Then he went to Marvel and mm-hmm. pitched it as a Spider-Man comic, though he didn't really consider Craven to be the villain at the time. But do you know who he was? Considering? No, he knew who he was. Uh, no, I mean, do you do you know who he was considering in place of Craven? Or? I forget which villain it was. But he, it, Craven was not the original choice, if I remember correctly. Okay. But the more he was, like, piecing it together and pulling his own, like, background information, it's like, yeah, okay, this makes sense. Okay. And this was actually... This story took over all three of the Spider-Man titles at the time. Hmm. Yeah, so... Yeah, so so it, was, first, it, it was Marvel's version of the killing joke, basically. Yeah, because it took over the run of Amazing Spider-Man, Spectacular Spider-Man, and Spider-Man, I believe. Uh Uh-huh. If I remember correctly. Okay. But it, like, took over the whole line for a couple months. Hmm. So that's another reason why it's well-known, because it's kind of like nowadays when Marvel does this thing every other month or so where the May special event takes over the whole line (laughs) of this one character's comics. But, yeah, that's it kind of has a bit of a crazy history as far as that goes. Okay, sounds interesting. So, um, uh, so, I guess we want to do a synopsis. I mean, you you've read this thing front to back. I've read it a couple times. So you, how about you talk more so while I drink my beer? Uh, okay. <laughs> and you can correct me on anything that I'm miss. I mean, obviously I read it, but um, it, in case like, you forget something, right? Because I'm gonna I'm gonna be I will be leafing through it to make sure I'm as correct as I can be. But please. Don't hesitate to jump in. Mm -hmm. This graphic novel is, well, this is a one-shot. A one-shot is a one-comic. 
Yeah. But this is a one-shot graphic novel, is what I'm saying. Oh, what, that's what you meant, okay. Yeah. about Centered around Craven, who I, I don't really want to go into the entire history of Craven. It, it, it's not really necessary for this specific comic. We'll, we'll get into a little bit more of his history a little later on. Right. Um, just know he's like a hunter-themed type villain. Like, very, like, I am the strongest... Who also happens to be Russian. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, but he, he is, in this, in this graphic novel, he is obsessing, he is taught, it starts with him talking about how he's old, he's done all these great things, except he hasn't bested Spider-Man. Um, Do you want me to take over a little bit here? A little bit. All right. There's, so basically, like, there's so much here. Okay, so TLDR, Craven feels unfulfilled in his life, and he thinks the only way he can feel fulfilled is if he takes down Spider-Man. And you're probably thinking, okay, so this entire series is centered around Craven and his struggle to hunt down Spider-Man. No, 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 no. no. In the first issue, yep. he captures Spider-Man on a rooftop pulls out a rifle and shoots Spider-Man. Like, point blank. Point blank. Like, there's, there's, and there's no way. And it just even surprises Spider-Man. Right. And the rest of the series is basically, well, it's a three and a half st- st- struggle between Craven the Hunter, Spider-Man, another character we'll get into a little bit later called Vermin, mm-hmm. and a little bit of Mary Jane. That's why I say three and a half, because hers is like, Kinda there, but not really. Right. But it's a psychological, like, deep dive with all these characters, I mm-hmm. would say. Basically, them trying to struggle on where they stand as they are. I think that's the best way to put it. Because right. Craven takes over as Spider-Man. Right. And he tries to fulfill the role as Spider-Man the way he sees fit. And that does not go well. No. I mean, in his mind, he thinks he's go. It's going well, but for everybody else, they're like, "What the heck's going on? Spider-Man's going crazy." Right. Um, it is. It is fair to say because one of the one of the reasons I will say, and I will say this before we go any further, uh, the disorders we may or may not discuss, and symptoms we may or may not discuss in this episode are not for diagnosis as as i said at the beginning if you think you're struggling with anything please seek professional help but yourself these or for or yeah this is just two nerds looking at text and trying to diagnose the psychological themes that we see within it right this is like i said for entertainment purposes only and the reason why i brought this up in the first place was because I'm, again, drawing from that, epi- that uh, episode from Matt Drapier. He makes the assertion that Craven the Hunter is suffering from a manic depressive disorder, which is currently called bipolar, bipolar disorder. Right. And my dumbass, I, <laughs> I, I just did the acronym of BPD, so I told Chris, hey, Craven's probably suffering from BPD. And the thing is, bipolar disorder is different from BPD. Very, very different. BPD is actually borderline personality disorder. It it's been a while since since college, guys. (laughs) Okay, in my defense, when you hear you don't need to defend yourself here. With bipolar disorder, you can easily do the acronym of BPD. It's just. Why couldn't they just do a different acronym or give them different names? I don't know. I don't belong to the American Psychological Association, so... It's their own damn fault for making them so close together. (laughs) Jesus Christ. I mean, there are some overlapping, like, traits in the... Kinda, sorta, not really. Um, there... you As far as borderline and... I will say I'm not going to go into the the nitty-gritty of borderline personality disorder because, I don't, among other reasons, I don't specialize... I'm still kind of early in my career, and I don't specialize in, in personality disorders. Um, I will say I've had some experience with um, encountering borderline personality disorders or, or things that seem like it. 
I will say that there are different subtypes, if you want to call it, of borderline personality disorder. And the the thing is, the one, the angry externalizing type is really where kind of think think like Angelina Jolie and the girl interrupted. Mm-hmm. Um, is where BP, BPD gets its bad name because there are two two of the four quote unquote subtypes, like I said, are are very much focused on internalizing all the rage and emotion that happens in borderline personality disorder. Either either way, whether it's externalized or internalized, the the client or person um, they don't know what to do. Always, or they don't always know what to do with all that emotion and rage and stuff like that. And from what I understand, it can be further complicated when you have other disorders. Oh, yeah. Like someone who happens to be autistic and have... Right. Them. I mean, I will, I will say um, most often, at least when you're talking about the depressive and internalizing type of borderline personality disorder... Um, it's usually alongside some kind of depressive disorder or an anxiety disorder or something like that. Something where that, where they, where they blame a lot, like, like they rage against themselves inside. And that is very different from bipolar disorder. Very different because bipolar disorder, it's less, I don't want to say it's less focused on emotional content because it's because that's not that wouldn't be accurate to state but we're breaking out the DSM5 for this one folks uh, I already broke out the DSM5 I just picked it up <laughs> um, but it's just that borderline personality disorder it, it's traditionally it's more focused on like a fear of abandonment and a lack of identity not just like well we'll, we'll just say a lack of identity um, but bipolar disorder, um, by itself is something where that kind of thing doesn't go on. You know, you have, obviously everybody knows about the mood swings and stuff like that. And what, although what people, what some people may not know is there are two forms of bipolar. One is more focused on, I would say more focused on the depressive side because bipolar two Bipolar one is traditional bipolar manic manic mania depressive episodes. And we should probably describe what mania and depressive episodes are. Right. Um, because everybody has their the idea of mania like uh, wind in the willows with mm-hmm. Mr. Toad and he's just <laughs> fancifully going along property damage along all the way. But that's like one form of mania. But what right. is mania? Mania is strictly speaking, um, it has to do with a full a full fledged manic episode will last at least a week, and there's your your feeling like yourself is in you can feel things like yourself is inflated like like a grandiose type of thing. Your your there's an increase in goal directed behavior. Um, there's a, and sort of in that same boat, there's a, there's a potential for high, highly dangerous, uh, actions, doing drugs, driving fast, having dangerous sexual encounters, etc., etc. And then... The depressive side is basically what it sounds like. Right. I mean, mania is like, I will say another thing is, uh, there's always, or not always, but... In mania, there tends to be like a decrease. Also, needs to tends to be a decreased need for sleep, and just like pressured speech and thoughts. You know, like talking, 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 thinking, thinking, thinking. Depressive is just like like a traditional major depressive episode. No, you know, no energy, possible suicidal ideation, or just thoughts of death. The hope, just the general sense of hopelessness, that kind of thing. Um, and the thing is. You're cycling between these two extremes. Like when you're bipolar, there's no mi- there's no little to no middle ground between these two extremes. Like either you're one or the other. And they're both 
very deadly, depending on your perspective. Yeah, I, uh, if it goes unchecked, I'm saying. Oh yeah. If it goes unchecked, either or could be. Oh yeah, especially with the, with the with with the potential for even even if the uh, like the increased with the mania, like even if it's like spending your money frivol- frivolously, you're just like throwing money away, which is a thing. Um, Shopaholics. Shopaholics investing in businesses that, like, you don't care whether or not it succeeds. It's just like, here, take my money. And you uh, mentioned that by po- that the first type, it's just basically cycling between those two. Right. Sometimes rapidly, sometimes not. Um, bipolar 2 is the same, basically the same symptoms as mania. It's still those manic symptoms, but it doesn't have to last as long. It can last... It, bipolar 2 is focused on more like of of a full depressive episode but a what's called a hypomanic episode where it just lasts like 3 or 4 days at a time so that's the primary difference between bipolar 1 and 2 um and we already covered borderline personality disorder now based on what you have mentioned what i see in the text I could go either way with Craven because while we both kind of agreed before this episode that he's not really struggling with abandonment issues per se, mm-hmm. though I will argue he is having some serious identity issues in this comic because he, even though he wants to become Spider-Man, he, he understands he's still Craven and he's still struggling with his who he is. Well, it's not... I, I, the way I read it, it's not that... It, the, the thing is... He wasn't questioning who he was. You know, he wasn't saying, am I Craven? Am I Spider-Man? You know, it was like, it was, I am now Craven. I need to become Spider-Man to win. But he's also dealing with that issues of what does it mean to be Spider-Man? Right, but the identity, I guess I'm saying the identity itself is never in question. It's just the quality and what goes along with being that identity. It's, it's a tough... It's a tough sell either way, um, but but yeah. with my uh, but with my hypothesis of him having bipolar disorder, like this, the comic itself lasts two weeks. Like right. the timeline of what's going on here is two weeks, and in those two weeks, he is clearly going through a manic episode where, like, after he kills Spider-Man, you see, like, he visibly goes into a high, almost. Yeah. Like, he gets that, like, maniac grin, and he almost right. goes through, like, a high. I mean, it's not traditional grandiosity where he feels good. He's just, like, oh, he's, like, on edge, and he's, and he's inc- like I said, increasing the goal-directed behavior, the, the dangerous activity, yeah. etc. Yeah, going out there... Fighting crime, killing people while he's at it, and at one point, in order to connect with Spider-Man more in his idea, he drinks like this brew of drugs mm-hmm. in order to like get closer. And then he, he basically in his, this is gonna sound weird, but this comic is weird. But in his basement, he has like floor-to-ceiling window glass panes containing spiders in them. And in his drug-induced state, he just breaks down the walls and fights, like, this hallucination of a spider demon thingy. Right. And just loses the last bit of sanity he has. Well, I mean, it, it, that, yeah, that's fair. I mean, and, to be, and also, to be fair, um, psychotic features can come along with bipolar disorder, so... And then, towards the very end, once Spider-Man comes back, and he's... he's going out, he's going to find Vermin, you can just see him coming down from that mania. Like, you visit, like, the pan, the panel is like a shot-by-shot take of him just being taken down a couple of pegs, and he goes into a very dark swing. I feel, the thing is, I the reason I am not entirely sure it's bipolar disorder is because I still feel like it's, it's too circumstantial. Like, it's it's not as if it's an uncontrollable mood swing. It's very much dependent on the circumstances as what's happening around him. Hmm. Um, and, again, this is my clinical judgment. You'll, you'll find any other, any other therapist or psychologist or psychiatrist, whatever, 
everyone will have a well most of them I, a lot of them will have like different opinions and clinical judgments so right, right. that's this is just me however <laughs> while Chris is a little skeptical about my diagnosis he has a diagnosis for Craven and once he explained it to me I'm like yeah that does make sense and what is your diagnosis Chris I was thinking more he's more obsessive compulsive because or OCD yeah uh, yes the the ever famed OCD which as Heather mentioned to me before uh, and this is reasonably true with um, before the podcast is that most people you know this, OCD is not something first of all it's not like that hand washing cleanliness thing where it's like you can't sneeze without I don't know hitting something with a hammer to right it's OCD is not completely Sheldon Cooper no basically no 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 that is that is one aspect right of that's OCD. that's that's one pic that's one picture of OCD and OCD is not just like if you're a little or even more than a little anal about keeping things organized like I am that <laughs> that's that's not what that's not OCD so in order to explain exactly what OCD is we should probably break down what it is what the words mean, like obsessive compulsive. Right. Like uh, there, because that the obsessive compulsive pretty much tells you exactly what it is. Right, and because th- the entire, like if you look at the DSM, the entire or the primary criteria, like the first, the, what appears first in the on the list, is the presence of obsessions and obsessions, compulsions, or both. Um, and obsessions are like just recurrent, persistent thoughts, images, urges, anything that are cons- that the individual in question considers intrusive and basically distressing. You know, right, which you can clearly see with Craven in his text, because he has a very clear obsession with Spider-Man. Right. And while he does get some, like, enjoyment out of taking down Spider-Man, it, once you go through the text, you can say that he's not, see that he's not ha- exactly having a fun time. Right. He's, he, he's truly troubled by this drive to, it's like, why can't I take down Spider-Man? I am this great hunter. Why can't I take down Spider-Man? And in the case of, like, the drugs that we mentioned earlier and just him going out and fighting crime, not only is he kind of realizing that if it's the, that I am not like Spider-Man, but the fact that he just can't stop yeah. obsessing over being Spider-Man. And he does come to this conclusion somewhere in the book that the best way to become Spider-Man is to be better than the Spider-Man he knew. Right. But and and, it, and it, he's it, he's not enjoying it. No. Like he it, and the thing is he's he's these obsessions are compelling him to do these actions that are not necessarily repetitive, which is one of the things that OCD that compulsions can't can be or generally are they're um, either repetitive they're repetitive or mental acts or something that that someone feels driven that driven by their obsessions to do with with rules like there has to be rules like another picture of OCD might be switching a light switch five times like it has to be five times. Otherwise, things go off the rails. Um, so, a, an easier way to put it down with obsession is the irritant, and the compulsion is the self-medication to calm the irritant. Right, but in a very basic sense, that's 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 yeah, fairly that's, accurate. That's not getting into like the nitty gritty details. That's just like the general basic analogy no. I just came up with on the fly. <laughs> but the thing is about compulsions is. Um, as I said, as you said, they are they have to be aimed at preventing or reducing the anxiety that c- 
comes with the obsessions. And these obsessions, and especially the compulsions, have to be either... Like, they take up more than an hour. Like, it has to take up a long time. Or causes, like with any mental disorder, clinically significant distress. Right, and this sounds a lot more reasonable than it is. Because when the way you're describing it, it it sounds like it makes sense, but in practice, it only makes sense to the individual. Right. It won't make sense to the rest of us. Like, whatever the hell Craven's doing in here does not make a lick of sense when you look at it. <laughs> but, yeah, because for him, the only cure to these obsessive thoughts is... To prove himself. To overcome... And take over, oh, both overcome Spider-Man and take his place to prove that he can be better. Yes. And it goes to some very weird places. Oh, yeah, this, so many weird places. And this is just a side note from the first time I read this. I can't be the only one noticing this. Are you noticing, like, a very weird homoerotic, like, undertone to Craven's obsession? Um, like, we're f- the first image in this comic book is Craven buck naked, like r- crawling around on all fours. And it, it's, it's kind of weird because he, he addresses Spider Man, he sees Spider Man as like an animal to be overcome. And he just has this very weird romantic, it, it's almost a romanticized ver- idea of Spider Man. And even at one point after Spider Man takes down Furman and he confronts Spider-Man as him himself Craven. He kind of just like, you know, takes a hold of Spider-Man's like jawline in a really really weird way. And when Spider-Man obviously smacks his hand away after all that crap, Craven just thinks to himself, uh, "Why are you smacking away my hand? Does my affection embarrass you?" And it's like, "Uh, okay, maybe this is just my reading, but when I first saw that, I'm like, are, you, are is this later in the book?" Um, um, yes, it's right when, uh... Oh, okay, yeah, I see it. It, it, it's, it's talking about, uh, he's talking about how Spider-Man, he's accusing, basically, Spider-Man of being saddened by Kraven's power. Which is not at all what's going on in, again, a lot of what, a lot of the obsessive and compulsive stuff that Craven's going through and he- how he has convinced himself of his own lies, it's all happening in his own head. Mm-hmm. But but it, then again, Craven just I will just say has... it does say, does my infection... Uh, my infection. Uh, <laughs> uh, my affection embarrass you. So, I, I but guess... But then again, Craven does have a romanticized idea of, like, Africa and the African animals in general, and he sees Spider-Man as an animal... So I guess right. maybe you can also read that as he just romanticizes Spider-Man in the same vein as a hunter would romanticize hunting an elk or right. a lion. I, th- I, I think that's what I more that I that's what I saw more than like a homoerotic kind of thing. I mean, it can kind of be because look at look at how he's dressed on the back cover. Well, yeah, he's, he's, in, he's just wearing a thong. He's not. It's not a thong. It's a not a leotard. It's a loincloth. Loincloth. It's a leopard. It's a leopard, cheetah something <laughs> loincloth. He's wearing a fur cape. And say that again, but slower. What? He's a le a leopard cheetah thing, loincloth and a fur cape. What? He's dressed almost exactly like Jesus de Sade, dude. Oh God! <laughs> that's gonna be shrill. That's gonna be shrill. Oh my God! I'm just I'm just messing with you, folks. But I just found it a little hilarious the way you described that, and it's like, say that again, but slowly. You're not gonna unsee that now, aren't you? <sighs> Probably not. But um. Chris also brought up another interesting factor that I think we should point out, and that has to do with Spider-Man and what he's going through in this comic. Oh, yeah. Spider-Man, Spider-Man, as it turns out, I know we said that he was shot point blank with a rifle, but it was not bullets that he... It turns out 
that he was not shot point blank with a bullet. And this honestly should have made, I should have seen this because when Craven was firing at him like in the first issue, he was firing darts at him throughout the fight. So it would make sense that he, that he, when he points the rifle at him, that it would be shooting darts. I don't know why I thought it was bullets. Like, it's like suddenly magic bullets that have just been conjured out of nowhere. Um, But yeah, he's shot with a dart with some kind of serum in it that basically keeps him asleep in a coffin for two weeks. Well, I think we should mention that Spider-Man gets dead-ass buried alive. Right. Which is a nightmare scenario in and of itself. Right, which is why he shows just so many tendencies of PTSD, which makes sense because being buried alive, that's, it's not fun. I think we should explain just briefly what post-PTSD is. Um, post-traumatic stress disorder. Yeah. Um, and it's, I will say, because I've heard this a million, million times, PTSD is not limited to battle, like actual battle. Like, or, I think the reason why it's PTSD is linked to like war veterans is because the first time we as a culture recognized that this is a thing was during World War Two, and they called it shell shock. I think it was they should, they were calling it shell shock in World War One too, weren't they? Oh yeah, it was in World War One, wasn't it? Where they started noticing that these soldiers were coming back, and sometimes they were like visibly shaking, right, from what they saw in war, and they would be like all of a sudden really anxious with everyday scenarios. Like maybe they hear like a car break down, and they suddenly break out into nervous sweats. Right, they can't handle the different sounds they may not know where they are which is which is one of the one of one of the symptoms is a is a dissociative episode basically like a flash what's commonly known as a flashback where they think they are where the traumatic event occurred like literally they they literally think they're there again yeah and and that is when the people became aware of what it is. They didn't really... They didn't call it post-traumatic stress disorder at the time. They called right, it they shell, shell shock. Because of, you know, bombshells going off and they noticed this behavior in soldiers. And over time, we've come to realize that you don't actually have to have been on the battlefield but go through, like, an extremely traumatic event. Right. And 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 it, and it, and the trauma... Honestly, the trauma of the event depend to some degree, to, or to a big degree depends on the individual because I cannot tell you how many times I've even though like I said I'm early in my career I cannot tell you how many times I have heard people like after talking to someone be like well I didn't think I had PTSD because this wasn't bad enough you know the other people have been through worse and one thing I want to emphasize just I that I emphasize both in session and out of and within my own life is that and this is going to sound a little dumb but um i don't believe there's i don't believe in first world problems because if you're because like it's not like it's like someone went through something something better or something worse because if you're going through something the depth of feeling that you're feeling is still legitimate no matter what the problem is so what so as far as like who who's going through worse or who's going through better, like these problems are not worse or better; they're just different. It's kind of like that one. Um, it, it's kind of like a comic or picture. Um, on one side, there is this adult wolf that has all these arrows in his back, and he's standing next to this cub who just has one arrow in his back but is still falling down. And I forget exactly what the text says, but it's like. Just because something along the lines of it depends how much you can handle depends on you, right? Something like that. And I, w- I would even take it a step further because and make it two adult wolves. Like one adult wolf is like you said, full chock full of arrows and looking like a pin cushion, but the other wolf could have a single arrow in its back, and it's an adult wolf, and it's still in the same condition. And then, or like. 
PTSD manifests in several different ways. So many ways. Because it's not just like the classic shell shock, like shaking or falling to the floor when you hear like right. a drill that sounds somewhat similar to the torture that you've been through in the Vietnam War. Yeah, it's and flashbacks don't even. I will say flashbacks don't even have to happen because you can also have something like night terrors or even j- if, if it's just like kind of like the in tr- like with the obsessive compulsive disorder, it like the intrusive thoughts that just won't go away. They're, they have a different format in OCD, but in PTSD, they're still intrusive thoughts because they're relating to the specific event. Right. And with P- Peter Parker... It's being buried alive and not, and not being around and being away from his loved ones as well. And he does get a little bit of flashbacks in his fight with Vermin. Right. And when he fights with uh, Craven a little bit... Just that trauma of what happened to him and just the fear of being buried again. Because right. it happened to him once. Yeah, so like once it once it has happened, it it's open it it becomes opened in the realm of possibility to happen again. Right. Which is not a very pleasant situation to be in. No, absolutely not. Alright, so let's talk about do you want to talk about Vermin a little bit before we get to the big reason why this comic is controversial? Um, yeah, let's talk about Vermin. Alright, so Vermin is, he's kind of a minor villain in the Spider-Man Definitely mythos. a lesser known villain. Definitely a lesser known villain. Like, like he, like, he would be maybe equivalent to, like, Maxi Zeus or something in the Batman. I would go even further and say, like, the Dollmaker. Uh, or Scarface. Yeah, probably something like that. But, okay, a little bit of backstory. Uh, before this comic, uh, Spider-Man fought Vermin before, but he couldn't take Vermin down himself. He had to, he get, had to get Captain, Captain America's, America's help, help with right. that. So, while Craven is going around trying to, you know, become Spider-Man, he comes to the conclusion, if I can take down Vermin... By myself. By myself... Then I have proven myself superior to Spider-Man. and As Spider-Man. As Spider-Man. And Vermin himself is like one big bag of psychological issues. That oh my god. He just, I don't know if he can even come back from. Mm. At, at the state that he is. I, I will say it is always possible that someone can back, get, say, that anyone can come back from anything. Um, but... Yeah, I will say Vermin's Vermin. It, he's kind of like the Joker in the Killing Joke in that he's not only really far gone, he has convinced himself that he is too far gone. Yeah, he has con and he, Vermin is basically a rat man. Yeah, a cannibalistic rat man. Yeah, but he has convinced himself that he belongs in the sewer and the darkness. Mm-hmm. And I would kind of consider him more on the, the level of Victor Zaz as far I was actually think, thinking that, but I, I feel like Victor... Because the Joker is at least a little more self-aware. Vermin is not self-aware at all. No. I mean... And Zaz is not self-aware at all either. Zaz is like perfectly convinced that this is how I save people's lives. Right. By murdering them and tallying my skin. Right. But... Vermin. What would you classify? What would you diagnose vermin as? Oh my god. Oh, I didn't even think that far. It is like I because I saw. I honestly, I saw vermin like throughout the comic, and I'm just like, okay. I, it's like, ah, uh, uh, it's just wow. It's just like where to start. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he's he's clearly. Be- I would say to I guess to start with, because of his experiences of being like experimented on and all that and being isolated, although he has isolated himself. Um, yeah. Well, you can also say that it's because he's been rejected from the world. Right, but it's almost like it's a little bit of PTSD because one of the key aspects of PTSD is avoid it either avoid. Like avoidance of thoughts or things that remind you of of the event, or like like 
well, e- avoidance of either distressing memories and and that kind of thing, or external reminders of people's pl- people, places, things. So like v- vermin, I would almost say he has set he has set up the sewers as his home, and you could almost call him agoraphobic because he. Because he does not leave the sewers without extreme distress because of the sun and etc. etc. In fact, he has convinced himself that the sun is his weakness. Right. Which, I mean, in, in respect to how long he's been down there, it is. Right. I mean, yeah. I would also like to argue that he might also have a developmental disorder based off of his experimentation because... When he encounters that one police officer, he almost regresses back to a child a little bit, referring to him, her as, like, mother, and almost like the same adoration that a child would. I don't... I wouldn't... Cons- at least... And the, again, this is my own clinical and judgment. Plus, and plus, since he experienced trauma so early in his life, and so consistently, it, he's clearly not in the functioning capabilities of an adult, so okay, that that's that's more in tune with a developmental disorder because the whole thing about a developmental disorder is that you have to it has to be during your development something has to have which gone happened. haywire in in your development. But it was just something that happened to him, like something right. But it was he was he was it was external events that. That uh, hindered his development. It wasn't like... Which can happen. Like, a car accident with a young child. If they get, like, right, a serious but, brain injury. Yeah, but then... Uh, it's it's tough. Because, I mean, the, the thing about developmental disorders is you have... You know, there are things like... Like, miles... Like, with autism... on this, Being on the spectrum, like, there are milestones that you don't hit. You know, right. in in your development, I guess you could say you could get a developmental disorder due to an external event, but I guess a more tradition. It wouldn't be. It. I guess it might be fair to say, Vermin. When was he experimented on? You'll have to remind me. A young child. Uh, okay. Where did you put that comic? Um, over here. Like, I know he was a very young kid by the time this happened to him. Eh, let's see. It's just... He talks about it at some point. A more traditional... I guess a more traditional developmental disorder would be mm-hmm. something you're born with or developed or literally developed within your own cognizance. Right. But, but I don't. I don't think he he mentions it. But I do. I think I do remember that he was like very young by the time that they started this experimentation. Because I mean, and he's also traumatized from his previous events with battling Spider Man and Captain America. Because one of his right. main fears of going outside was encountering Spider Man again. Right. But I, I guess I I would be careful if as far as the regression. Because someone can, honestly, like someone with dissociative identity disorder could regress to a childlike state because, but that wouldn't be because of a developmental disorder. That would be because of their reaction to severe trauma. Hmm. Yeah. And that, and I feel like that's more of what Vermin's got going on is his is not a developmental disorder at least not traditional, it's more a reaction to severe trauma. Like, it didn't it didn't keep his brain from developing, per se. Um, it, it, it traumatized him to a point where he could no longer... He, he, he lost the desire to try to develop? Or... Uh, it's, it's hard to say. It's... I think the only way to really... In Vermin's case, unlike with Spider-Man and Craven, who can articulate themselves a little bit better... Right. Vermin, it's more of you have to, like, study him for several weeks in order to properly diagnose Right, I mean... Because he can't, he can't really articulate himself exactly what's going on with him. Um, it's, it's possible, as I'm looking, once again, through the DSM... Um, it's possible to say that 
because of it, again, it would be because of the trauma. Um, he could have intellectual disability, which is a disorder with with uh, onset during the developmental period that affects both intellectual and adaptive functioning. So, which we can see here because. He has a very broken speech pattern. Right. Um, he also has problem with, like with traditional reasoning and problem solving and planning. Well, maybe not planning, but like reason, definitely reasoning and problem solving, mm-hmm. abstract thinking, judgment, that kind of thing. Right. Right. So, offhand, I could say I could see maybe an intellectual disability again, but it would be, but it, again, it would be due to trauma. So I would. I would put Vermin again more in the PTSD camp. And agoraphobia camp. And, and agoraphobia, yeah. Which is one hell of a combination. Uh, yeah, and more, and I will say more common than you might think. Mm-hmm. Okay, so the main reason why Marvel is very... About, <laughs> about constant reprintings of this comic... And that is when Craven finally has proven himself better than Spider-Man, quote-unquote. And Spider-Man goes off to hunt down the newly freed vermin. Because uh-huh. Craven kept him locked yep. in an electric cage. Yep. Because he's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, but, well, let's not get into that. But uh, Craven feels like there is his life is done. There's nothing less left to live for. He pours himself a glass of wine. He goes to an open casket that he keeps in a separate room, pulls out a shotgun, and commits suicide. Graphically. Yes, and you see the body and the blood. I mean, you don't see his face. I think you that don't would, see that, his face. That would be no. a bit much. That would be much, but you do get to see like the blood. like the like the limbs hanging out of the casket and everything. Yeah, it's pretty graphic. And. And according to back to the Matt Draper video, DeMatteis himself got so much crap from that, saying that the suicide was glorified. But I do not get that impression at all. No, I... I it's very clear that Craven was a disturbed man. Right, I mean, the, 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 I will say this, the suicide wasn't demonized, but it wasn't glorified. It was just... This is what it is. This happened. We're going to move on with it. Right. And it and unfortunately, whether it's bipolar disorder, whether it's borderline, whether it's OCD, sometimes or PTSD, or PTSD sometimes people do come to the conclusion that this is the best way to end the, their suffering. Right. And even though it's not. No, it not, is not. Not. I I want to be very clear about that. It's not. Yeah, and, and DeMatteis himself was appalled that people read it that way because <sighs> yeah, even, even in the text itself, it's very obvious that it, it's not, it's, it, you don't even feel good when he commits suicide. Yeah, there's no sense of relief in yeah, his, in no his face, of... well, in, in, his, in his dialogue or anything, but I mean, to some degree that makes sense because uh, relief is a feeling, you kind of have to be alive to feel it. Right, but um, it, it's not like in it's not like in Thirteen Reasons Why. Where oh, oh my God! Let's oh, let, that, let's not open up. Yeah, that let, let's first. let's not get into that one. Uh, but it's not like in a lot of teen dramas who wrongly paint suicide as like this tragic but like kind of beautiful thing where. Like oh, the, that's people the finally glorified. Listen, people finally listen to me now that I'm dead. That kind of thing, which is wrong. That is the wrong way to handle suicide. But it's just like, boom, it happened. And that's it. Mm-hmm. Which, I, if anything, I think this is probably the most appropriate way to handle topics like suicide. Where it's, you don't really, like... Like... Like this, again, this happened, it's tragic. It happens sometimes in real life too, but... Yep. What... what what's next? Yeah. I mean, that makes it sound a little cold, but... It sounds cold, but... 
uh, that's just kind of how it is with IRL suicide. It's like the person's gone. How do we pick up the pieces? Mm-hmm. And it's not like in 13 Reasons Why, where you can have, like, whole bunches of cassettes, like, oh, accusing Lord. people of all sorts of shit, and oh, people finally God. pick up the pieces, and they finally listen to you now that you're dead, and blah, 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 blah. Uh, I know I sound cold right now, but don't kill yourselves. That's not going to get people to listen to you. That's not going to show the boy that you like that you truly like them. It's just going to make everyone around you sad. Just don't do it. But Okay. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I, but I don't really know what else to add, but that is the main reason why Marvel just is like it's like it's really it's a really well-done comic and it's really important, but Yeah, I mean they kind of not to get into another into another super long discussion or anything, but to be fair, um, I, I don't know if they did this before or after, but they did... It, this is not the first time Marvel has done this, because in Guardian yeah. Devil with Daredevil, yeah, uh, Mysterio, spoiler alert, kills himself at the end of that one, because Daredevil won't. Though, you read that comic. How was that suicide treated? That was... That was, that was like... A, that was... I, I don't want to say it was glorified because that's not. It's like you, it was it like a you get what you deserve kind of suicide or. Um no, it was it. it well, yeah. That, Which that, is like again not not exactly no, the appropriate because, way to handle that topic. No, I mean because it's just in in that one Mysterio again not to get it on into another comic entirely, but in that one Mysterio is terminally ill. He he's gonna. Dry, he's convinced he's going to drive Daredevil insane, like, one last time or whatever before he goes. And Daredevil, after figuring out his plot, is just like, look, your plot... Because he knows Mysterio's weakness is about, like, you know, impressing all these people with, like, big things and big gestures. and So he wants a tragic death. And... Right, and he, he wants... And... and and Daredevil just is like, look, I'm not going to kill you. Your your plan it wasn't even original. Lex Luthor tried to drive me insane with a better not Lex Luthor. Lex Luthor is DC. Oh yeah, that's right. Um, Pin? Are you talking about Kingpin? Kingpin, yeah, Kingpin. Thank you. I in, had your the... in your defense, they're both bald. So yeah, that, <laughs> and and both very large. Um, well, one more in the figurative sense than the other. Right. Um, but yeah, Kingpin tried to. Drive me insane with a much better plot than this, um, and Mysterio is like, okay, and he he literally hands tries to hand Daredevil guns like, okay, kill me. Daredevil's like, nope, I'm not doing it, and then he just kind of walks away, and then it just, bam, happens literally. Yeah, which again, I don't think that's if we're talking about the topic of suicide, that it, it just feels more like it's. Like, it's like, ha you get what you deserve. Right. Which is, again, and that's it, a very bad way to yeah, Mar tackle suicide. In, in, in what I've read personally, the times, that, mostly, which mostly in, in my own admittance um, is limited to Craven's Last Hunt and Guardian Devil, Marvel hasn't really done a very good job with handling the topic of suicide. I mean, I don't exactly blame them. Like, how can you handle right, suicide? In a comic book. So, it, like, in a thing meant for entertainment, how do you... And an I, entertainment for a young audience. Right. I mean, you can't... It's, it's tough because you can't ignore it. But you... But it's like... If you want to handle darker themes, it's going to come up eventually. Right. But, but again, the that that is... That's more like what's... Like for DC, that's why they have black. They that's why they had Vertigo, and that's why they now have Black Label is because for the more mature content. Though heaven forbid you show Batman's penis. Okay, we're not. <laughs> I haven't. I haven't read Damned, so let's not get into that. Into bat. Into yeah. bad dick. All right, but on a more serious note, since we're here, if you are having suicidal thoughts. Please the, call the the helpline. The, the helpline is the actually the twenty four hours helpline. That, is that the national prevention line? Yeah, 
that I just Googled right now. Yeah, that's the one I mentioned. That uh, big, uh, yeah, big, uh, but just to repeat, it's 800-273-8255. Yep. So, if you are having those thoughts, please... Please make, make a call to either that number or a local emergency number of some kind. Right. Just don't do it, friends. Or... Even or even if you just call a, like a friend or a family member, do something. Mm-hmm. Well, that, that was a bit heavy. Well, this is a heavy comic. Yep. A very a very well done comic. Oh, I absolutely. Do, I do recommend you guys pick this up, even if you're not a Spider Man fan. Like Chris and I are not the biggest Spider Man fans, but we can appreciate the art, the storytelling, the panel layouts, and just how this was written. Right. Although I will say I, I do love Venom, Venom and Carnage. I always have. Like, <laughs> Spider-Man can do his own thing. Venom and Carnage. Yay. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah. You can, you can go look at the gory stuff, but if you want the, psycholog- <laughs> if you want the psychological horror, read Craven's Last Hunt. Right. Um, and I think that's it, at least as far as this, this one goes. Um, I... I think, I, I don't think we. You said we're not going to tease the uh, the subject matter for the next. Well, we're still kind of working through what exactly we're going to do. We have our mystery book. That right, we're we have our mystery read. book. But um, I think we'll just discuss that, and we'll. Uh... Yeah, it could. I will say, folks, that the Halloween episode possibly may be a little longer. It's but either gonna be a little longer. either way, it's gonna be a good one. All the options we've we've gone over so far are class A or not even class A, class S, like T- S tier comic books. Yeah. So, yeah, it was once again it was wonderful to for to talk to you folks and thank oh, you for listening. Oh, we forgot to mention you're wearing your killing sh- joke shoes. Oh yeah. I am to- I am totally dressed for this podcast. I have a Dexter's Lab t-shirt, uh, killing joke shoes on. I am perfectly dressed for this radio show. Absolutely. <laughs> so you did not get the irony of that statement yet, did you? Probably not, and I and I probably won't for a while. Don't worry, they'll let you know in the comments. <laughs> All right, so um, I guess uh, good night, folks, and thank you for listening. Uh, thank you for subscribing, for, for, and you know, spread the word. If you think someone you know might enjoy this podcast, bring them in on it for all by all means. We could always enjoy some new subscribers. Absolutely, we we always you know we always enjoy it when we know when we find out that people are listening. So. Yeah. All right, um, yeah, uh, good night.